Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 1. We're in a series called Momentum Moments. Somebody say Momentum. Now, you said that like you didn't have any. Come on, say Momentum. I know it's early. Some of us are still waking up. Come on, touch your neighbor. Say, it's okay. It's all right. Come on, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Momentum moments. And the last couple of weeks, we started off by talking about the baptism of Jesus. If you remember, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And the Bible says the heavens opened up and the dove came and rested upon Jesus. And that was a powerful moment to launch the ministry of Christ. Last week, if you were here, we kind of took a detour into the wilderness. How many of you made it to church last week? Yeah, if you're watching online, maybe you, you watched that message on wisdom from the wilderness. And we talked about how Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted of the enemy. Today, if you're taking notes, the title of the message is simply this, A Day in the Life of Jesus. A Day in the Life of Jesus. Of Jesus. We're going to take a look at a 24-hour period of the life of Christ. How many of you here this morning, you live by your schedule? Okay, only three people. The rest of you all just going to figure it out as you go, huh? How many of you like to have a plan? You like to have it written down. How many of you, you check your schedule of the next day as you go to bed at night so you can be prepared? Yes. And, and sometimes life doesn't always work out as planned. Can I have a good amen? My dad would say life is what happens to you when you have something else planned. Yeah, we have days. We have day planners. Uh, it's interesting. We started this year. I'm sure if you were like me, you started 2020 with a vision, with a plan of what this year would look like. <laughs> yeah. How many know we just put that plan in the blender and just say, okay, God, serve it up as a protein drink. Come on, we don't know what's happening, but we need a little power. Come on, can I have a good amen? And I begin to wonder, what, what if Jesus had a calendar? If Jesus kept a day planner, how would he fill his days? You know, the gospel gives us a little glimpse of the life and the activity of Christ. But how a person spends their time says a little something about what's important to them. I thought, you know, we got a little sample up here, a day in the life of Jesus. What, what would his calendar look like? Here it is. This is Saturday, Sunday. What, what would Jesus be doing? Maybe he's a guest speaker. Nine o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning, he's going to go to the synagogue and he'll be the, the guest lecturer. How many of you would like to show up to church that day? Yeah, hey, Jesus is going to be preaching. Yeah, God bless you, Pastor Mike. We appreciate you and your little bishop of biceps, but we want to hear Jesus at the synagogue. I like that. Maybe he says, okay, the next day I'm going to go for a walk. How many like to take a walk with Jesus on the water? Hello. Yeah, that, that would be an interesting walk, interesting conversation. Go for a walk. Then maybe he says, you know, I need to take some time and I got to talk with dad. I got to just kind of disappear. I'm going to hide from the disciples and just spend some time with dad to get caught up on what's happening in heaven. Finally, maybe, maybe he'd have one of these meetings. You know, he had some disciples. Uh, maybe he's got to reschedule the budget meeting with Judas. 
Come on, Judas was one of the disciples. He was in charge of the treasury. But there was a little shortfall that month, and Jesus maybe needed a, a budget meeting, and Judas cancels again. Uh, what was a day in the life of Christ like? In Mark chapter 1, we read this. You know, I want to tell you this before I jump into You need to know this. One day can change everything. Come on, talk to me. One day can change everything. Sometimes there are unexpected days. There are great days. There are hard days. How many of you experienced a few hard days this year? There are sad days. Um, there are exciting days, but I want you to know this. In Christ, there's never a wasted day. In Jesus, you will never waste a day. Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 21. The Bible says this, Jesus and his companions, they went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. Verse 22, the people were amazed. Somebody say amazed. They were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Now, I want to give you three simple things as we track through the next 24 hours of Jesus' life. I want to talk to you about power. I want to talk to you about prayer. And then I want to talk to you about priorities. Okay, those three things. Somebody say power. Say prayer. Say priorities. We're going to see how Jesus navigated these things in a 24-hour period. The Bible says he shows up at the synagogue. This was customary for Jesus. Uh, I think there's, there's a pattern that we see in the life of Christ. He was committed to the house of God. I want to say thank you for your commitment to church. I know these have been un unexpected seasons and moments and you know uncertain times, but whether you're watching online, whether you're at one of our campuses, or whether you're here in the building, Thank you for your consistency and your commitment to God's house. I think special things happen when we prioritize the house of God. Can I have a good amen? As was customary in Jesus' routine, he was the distinguished guest. He was the speaker in the synagogue this day. And the Bible says that those who gathered and listened to his message, they were amazed because he taught with real authority. He didn't just give head knowledge. I think the, the rabbis of that day, they quoted other rabbis as their source of authority. But Jesus had no need to quote another rabbi. How many of you know he was the word of God in flesh? The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Come on, somebody. He didn't need to consult anybody. Is this okay what I'm saying? No, no, no. Because he was literally the word of God incarnate. And here he is. He's teaching. He's preaching with a certain authority. The Bible says real authority. His words were different. Can I tell you this, church? Jesus' words were different, and our words need to be different as well. As followers of Christ, our words shouldn't be like everybody else's words. When Jesus opened up his mouth, people were amazed. There was authority. There was influence. There was power. There was something unique about what he said. You know, we live in a culture where we obsess over everything we put into our mouth, but sometimes we pay very little attention to what comes out of our mouth. Come on, nod your head if you're with me. And this is a world filled with words. Everybody's got something to say and a microphone to say it. 
Man, we'll post it. We'll tweet it. We'll talk about it. And in all of the words that are spoken, I think it's important that we see how Jesus was effective in his speech. When he taught, he taught with real authority. The Bible says in Colossians 4 verse 6, let your speech be always with grace and seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Ooh, this is a good verse. How many of you, your kids need to hear this verse? Now, how many of us need to hear this verse as well? Let your speech be always with grace and seasoned with salt. You know, I thought about I grew up in Missouri, in the Midwest. Great people in the Midwest. But the food, something's missing. And, you know, I came to Louisiana, and I began to sample some of the cuisine here in the South. How many of you know the best food in the world is right here in South Louisiana? Man, there's a flair, there's a flavor, there's a seasoning, there's a revelation I got called Tony Sashris. Come on, somebody. Make that food come alive. I'm like, are you kidding me? I was 13 years old when we moved to Baton Rouge. I'm like, man, I haven't lived until right now. You got jambalaya, you got red beans and rice, you got crawfish etouffee, and you just put a little Tony's on it, and man, that thing, it's just singing. It's seasoned, it's flavored. You know, salt is a flavoring agent, and I think it would do us well to pay attention to the example of Jesus. When he spoke, his words were seasoned. They were flavored. There was something unique. I want you to know this. Your words create atmosphere. You need to think before you speak. Can I have a better amen? My mama used to say this. She'd say, son, you have two ears and one mouth. That means you need to listen twice as much as you speak. How many know mama knew what she was talking about? Sometimes we, we fill the atmosphere with words and we're not even thinking. We're not, we're not measuring what we say. But the Bible tells us that when Jesus taught, when he opened his mouth, something special happened. He taught with real authority. Somebody say real authority. You see, I believe the integrity of his life gave credibility to his words. I think Jesus didn't just talk the talk, but how many of you know he walked the walk? I love what Henry Kaiser said. He said, when your work speaks for itself, don't interrupt. Man, when you're living the life and the fruit of your life is saying what it needs to say, you don't even have to open your mouth. Bible says Jesus taught with power, with authority. Look at what it says, verse 23. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out. He says, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Verse 25, but Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. <laughs> or in the Greek, it's shut your mouth. Come out of the man, he ordered. Verse 26, at that the evil spirit screamed and threw the man into a convulsion and then came out of him. Verse 27, amazement. There's that word amazement again. Amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitedly. It has such authority. It has such power. Even evil spirits 
obey his orders. Now, reading this again, we all say we want to be in church where Jesus teaches. But how many know this was a wild day at church? I mean, the devil showed up at church. How many know even the devil will go to church some days? Come on, talk to me. Devil shows up in church, and as Jesus is teaching, the, the, the devil manifests in this man, and Jesus has to take charge. I can just imagine at lunch after church that day. How many thinks it would be an interesting conversation? What? I mean, I, I could just, in, in my mind, I'm playing this. You saw that old boy in church begin to holler out? Man, he had them crazy eyes, man. I knew there was something wild about that guy. How many know sometimes people have crazy eyes? Something ain't right in there. Something ain't right. And Jesus spoke with power. Come on, somebody say power. He spoke with authority, and he commanded the enemy's spirit. He says, leave. I want you to shut your mouth and leave this man. Here's the good news. You need to know this, that Jesus has all the power and authority that you need to walk in victory in every area of your life. But please know this, you do not have to be intimidated by the spirits of darkness. You don't have to be afraid. Man, when you feel the enemy, when you see darkness all around you, I want you to know this, that the power inside of you is greater than the darkness around you. Come on, can somebody help me today? Are you catching this? Jesus now, he's setting the example. You say, well, Mike, that's Jesus, it's not me. Well, listen, if Jesus lives in you, then that same power that you see him walk in, that same authority that he demonstrates, guess what? It dwells inside of you. It's in you. How many of you said yes to Jesus? You said, Lord, forgive me my sins. Come into my heart. Guess what? That power dwells and operates inside of you. I've learned long ago that you can be pitiful or you can be powerful, but you can't be both. Come on, are you with me? How many of you just decided that in your life you want to walk in power? I don't need pity. I want power. And if I'm in Christ, I have all the power that I need to live in victory. Come on, can I have a better amen today? I think this is so important. A day in the life of Christ, sometimes we give the enemy too much credit. Don't let him intimidate you. Don't let him create fear inside of you. Uh, Sometimes we look at our circumstances or we check in with our feelings and we're intimidated by what seems to be this powerful enemy. But I want you to know this. The devil is defeated. Newsflash, Jesus died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb. And three days later, he was raised from the dead. He, he, he stripped the enemy, broke the back of every bondage, stronghold, and darkness. You know what? The enemy has no real power over you. He'll try to intimidate you. But guess what? The spirit of almighty God dwells inside of you. Man, I, I'm not going to walk in fear of the unknown because I know that my life is held by somebody who holds my future in the palm of his hand. I don't know what this day holds, but I know who holds it. Come on, somebody. A day in the life of Jesus. 
I'm reminded of a story that I heard not long ago about Oral Roberts, and many of you are familiar with the, uh, the ministry, ORU, out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. they got a university, a school of education, and a lot of people have been trained at, at Oral Roberts University. He was one of a, the, uh, the great healing ministries in the 70s and 80s, and he would hold crusades, and I mean, God would do supernatural things through him, healings and, and miracles, and uh, I mean, you know, Book of Acts type stuff. And I remember hearing as he grew older, he had to wear glasses. And he he was almost embarrassed to wear glasses. He didn't want to wear glasses. And he would often complain. He said, Lord, I, I can't wear these glasses. How in the world can I pray for somebody with poor eyesight, and yet here I am wearing these glasses? I mean, it is interesting that, you know, a a man of faith would have that kind of thought, but he just thought it hurt his ability to minister to others. He said, God, how can I pray somebody needs healing in their eyes and here I have glasses on my face? And here's what the Lord told him. He said, Oral, you tell them that the one who heals eyesight can see perfectly fine. In other words, what was he telling him? Listen, you're not the one that's producing the miracle. It's not coming from you. It's coming through you. Guess what? It's Jesus in us. Are you with me? It's not me. It's not you. But we can walk in power and authority because of Jesus flowing through us. I love that. I love that. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater. Somebody say greater. Say, I got the greater one inside of me. Listen, it's not me, but it's the greater one in me. He who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. What an interesting church service. Huge crowds. They were amazed by his teaching. He's casting out devils. What does he do next? Look at verse 32. That evening after sunset. Now notice the sun is going down. We started the day in church. Sun is going down. Many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. So notice the continuation of the ministry of Christ. It doesn't just take place in a church building. I don't want to stop right here and say this. I love coming to the house of God. But you know what? God does not dwell in a building made by the hands of man. You can have your best moments in God wherever you go. You know why? Because he dwells inside of you. Ministry doesn't stop when the service is over. The the power and the flow of God's spirit goes with us. You see, he continues to heal the sick, and even demons are subject to his power and authority. Look at verse 35. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. So notice in church, man, we experience God's power. But what did he do after that? The Bible says he slipped away and he went to pray. I want to talk to you about the source of his power and the source of your power. You will find it in prayer. You're going to find what you're looking for in that quiet, uninterrupted, secluded time with the Lord. 
I think this is so important. We're amazed by the exploits of Jesus' ministry, but I think we often overlook the very source and secret to his power. It came in the time that he spent with God. You know, we have a huge problem in our culture. I think we're busier now than we've ever been. We're overcommitted and we're undersatisfied. We're doing more but experiencing less. Our to-do list grows, but our heart begins to shrink. And if we're not careful, this will creep into our experience with God. And we'll be moving so fast. You know, there's kind of this analogy of speed and soul. I want you to think about that. In fact, I want you to write those two words down. Write down the word speed and then write down the word soul. I want to talk to you how these work together and sometimes work against each other. I like to be on the move. I like when things are happening. We read about the life of Jesus, and it was snap, crackle, pop. Things were rolling, but then Jesus had to pump the brakes. And he said, you know what? I got to call a timeout, and I got to slow this thing down because I need time with the Father. Notice how this works. Sometimes our, our lives are busy and accelerated and speed. We have a certain arc to our life. We're going to the next level in our business, man. We're trying to raise kids, man. We're, we've got schedules to keep and, you know, we're moving things forward and our life is on this trajectory and we're moving so fast and what we don't realize is that our spirits begin to diminish. How many of you know your need for speed will destroy your soul? And if you don't pump the brakes, here we see Jesus doing something. It seems small. It seems insignificant. But this is probably one of the most powerful moments. I think there's a huge lesson in in this for all of us. If we want to walk in that power, then we have to spend time in prayer. You, You can't subtract prayer from this equation. You know, when I was younger, when I was in elementary school, two of my favorite things, I think maybe first grade, we, of course, recess. I appreciated recess. How many of you excelled at recess? Oh, yeah. I love recess, man. At recess, we play hide and seek. And, uh, man, I knew all the great hiding places, you know. So, man, I was an expert at hide and seek. But on Fridays, my favorite part of the week was what was called show and tell. How many remember show and tell back in the day where you get to bring a, a toy or something from home and you got to kind of show it off to the whole class and you got to present, you know, what it is. Hey, I want to show you this is my favorite, whatever it is. I want to tell you a little something about it. So, so show and tell was the big thing. I thought about that this week. You know, before we show and tell, we got to hide and seek. We live in an age where we got a lot of people who are showing and telling. Right? Come on. And I love social media, but man, we show it and we tell it. And God's saying, man, why don't we do a little more hiding and seeking? You know, if you want public power, it comes from a private prayer life. Are you with me? And, and, and look, this is important for us because God has a big assignment for us to walk in. The Bible says that Jesus consistently would pull away. And he would hide himself. You'll see in just a moment how this plays out. But he's hiding himself from the crowds. The disciples don't even know where he is. And he wakes up early to spend time in that secret place. It's amazing how even the disciples, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Because they knew that every time Jesus disappeared in prayer, he returned 
with a power that made things happen. And if you want to see supernatural things, you got to find the secret place. You see, Jesus was as big on the inside as he was on the outside. How many of you know sometimes people are, are doing big things on the outside, but they're empty on the inside? The, the secret to his power was in the secret place. Uh, prayer for me, and I don't know what it looks like for you, but prayer for me keeps me on point because my tendency is to drift. I, it's just human nature is to drift. How many of you know it's easy for us to get off course? Prayer keeps us on point. Prayer keeps us on mission. Prayer helps me to, to remind myself that I'm not in control, but God is. Prayer keeps me on point, and, and it helps me stay on course. You know what else prayer does? It also increases my awareness of God, and it helps me to lean on him. You know, when I, when I pump the brakes, and maybe it's in, in, in just private worship, or, or maybe it's in just personal study of the word, man, it, it increases my awareness of God. You know, when you're more aware of the presence of God, the better you are as a parent, the better you are at your workplace, the more effective you are in your relationships. I mean, just an awareness of God. Prayer turns our focus from ourselves to a supernatural power. Are you catching this today? Only two of you are. Okay. Prayer keeps me on point because my tendency is to drift. Prayer increases my awareness of God, and it helps me to lean into him. And finally, prayer, you know what it does? It softens my heart, and it strengthens my faith. Prayer keeps my heart soft. Listen, I don't want to get old and mean and bitter and critical. Come on, somebody. How many know that life can be hard, and if I'm not spending it in prayer, my heart gets hardened to the circumstances around me. But prayer keeps my spirit soft, but it strengthens my faith. It reminds me, you know what? God's got this. God's got me. God's holding this church. Father, I thank you that my future is secure because it's in you. Lord, my past is redeemed. My present makes sense. And my future, it's in your hands. Can I have a good amen? amen. Prayer, it, it keeps your heart soft, but your faith strong. Jesus would pull away and he would pray. Finally, look at what it says in verse 36. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. Where you been? Where you been hiding, man? I mean, things have been happening, healing and miracles and devils being cast out. Where have you been? But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well. And I'll preach to them too, for that is why I came. Here, here's where I want to land this thing. Notice how the day starts in church and it's full of power. Notice in the early parts of the morning, he just pulls away and he prays. But finally, I want you to see this. Number three, I want you to see the priorities of Jesus. The Bible says the disciples came to him and said, hey, people are looking for you. Come on, you got to get back. Look, a lot of things are happening. You're just getting started here. We could, we could establish our headquarters right here in Capernaum. People love you here. Let's get back doing what we were doing. And Jesus said, no. You see, prayer will help you live by your priorities and not your pressures. 
Sometimes we live from pressure to pressure. But through prayer, we realize, wait a second, what is my priority? What is my mission? What's my assignment? Some of you are living under so much pressure. And I'll tell you this, pressure comes from all different places and it pulls you in all different directions. And when you live by pressure, your life is pulled into pieces. But when you live by your priorities, you can stay on mission. You see, Jesus told his disciples, no. No, we're not staying here in Capernaum. There are other places that we have to go. You're forgetting the assignment that God's given me. I've got to stay on mission. You see, when you know your priorities, you can say yes with conviction and no without guilt. When you know your priorities, you can say no and not feel guilty about it. Hey, we need you over here to do this. No, no, no. It's not my season. It's not my assignment. Whoa, you understand priority. Some of you, your life, I mean, you're living on fumes right now. You're you're empty on the inside because you've chased one thing after another thing based on the pressures coming against you. And I feel like the word of the Lord to those of you that are in that season is simply this. Priorities. Know your priorities. You may have to defiantly disappoint some people in order to preserve the priority of your soul. Check your schedules. A day in the life of Jesus. A 24-hour period in the life of Jesus. You know, sometimes I think the battle for our hearts is fought on the pages of our calendars. Maybe that struggle on the inside of you, God's trying to speak to you, say, well, wait a second, wait a second, slow things down, seek me first. From that secret place comes a whole lot of power and an understanding of priority, the things that are most important. Amen? You receive that this morning? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that today. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.